0: Well, last time we left the I Finally Watch crew, we were in the middle of the review of Kill Bill Volume 1. Now, I guess we can talk about Volume 2. Hey guys, I'm Alon, and welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. And this is David, and today I finally watched Kill Bill Volume 2. Well, David, we finally completed the, uh, the saga of Kill Bill and all of its bloody and gory glory. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was the second part that bloody? Well, Then I think, you know what, you're right. I have to ask you, cause I asked you uh, in the beginning of the first one, comparing it to the rest of Quentin's movies and you did just that. I have to ask you for volume two, please compare it to volume one.
1: So there's, I think three deaths in volume two that i can think of right now and there's probably around 50 in volume one you know the uh the scene at the restaurant where she's fighting all the crazy 88s and it's in black and white he actually had to make it black and white to make to get the rated you know to get the r rating okay um which also worked out as like an an homage to like you know other kung fu type movies um in this one there's three deaths and it's the final three deaths on her, on her list. That doesn't make the movie any less interesting. And, and honestly, like having the discussion between which one's better volume one or volume two, like to me, these are just, this is just one movie. It's like,
0: the the answer is volume one. Volume one is better. Okay.
1: To me, it's just one
0: movie. Um,
1: If I were to have two hours um to to watch one of them I'd probably watch volume one just because it's you know there's a lot more action um but volume two is, is great um really great and I mean and once again like this is just one movie it was filmed as one movie um volume two really lets you know that with like the the opening scene at the two pines um wedding chapel the uh the opening of this movie where she's driving in the car and, you know, going through what's about to happen, which, by the way, I made the joke that she says kill Bill in the movie. And you're like, she never says that. And then this happened. I was like, I fucking knew she said it.
0: Well, I couldn't give it away. I couldn't give away to you. And I think as cheesy as that line comes off as she's like, I guess now I have to kill Bill. I think Tarantino is one of the few directors that can actually like pull that off. And yes, it is still cheesy, but it, it doesn't like, mess with the integrity of the movie at all it still totally works so that scene is supposed to open the movie it's supposed to open
1: the four-hour movie
0: if this is all
1: one movie
0: i didn't okay
1: yeah so this originally was shot it was going to be a four-hour movie and as they're in post-editing i think one of his producers or something was like my dad would love this movie as two movies but he's not going to watch a four-hour movie And so that was part of the reason he decided to cut it in part one and part two. Also the fact that you're going to make double the money probably doesn't hurt. (laughs) Right. Um, I think it, I mean, watching a four hour movie in a theater is, is a rough go. Nowadays that would just be streaming and maybe you'd watch it in one sitting and I'd watch it in five. Um, but still this is, i say this is one continuous movie but these movies feel so different to me yes it's weird they feel like they're shot at different times like two feels like it's more it's more it's newer and there it so when i found out they were shot at the same time and what the scene that tipped me off is when you actually get to see bill talk with um uma the bride uh, at the chapel, and i was like oh they had to have shot this all together
0: um but they feel like two completely different movies and I kind of like that scene when when Bill talks to Uma at the chapel before they're all completely massacred, um, because from the conversation that we hear in the beginning about he's not a sadist, he's a masochist, um, it we finally get to hear the beginning of that conversation, uh, and I think that's that's really helpful into kind of piecing all this together, and I and I kind of like how much he held back from. Uh, he he held back from just revealing all of this in the first one because bringing this kind of stuff up for the sequel or for part two, I guess we would say really kind of brings a beginning middle and end to this separate film as opposed to feeling like you're just jumping in the middle of a movie and being confused about it you know?
1: Right, and so the movie starts out with chapter six, Massacre at Two Pines, and you have the the narration of Uma explaining that you know this story has become a legend, and depending on who tells it, it's different. But this wasn't a wedding; this was a wedding rehearsal. Which you get explained that the guy Uma's marrying like wants her to wear the dress and him wear the tux, just so they get more bang for their buck because they had to mm-hmm. pay so much for it. Right. Um, and then you get to see Bill for the first time, played by David Carradine.
0: Which um,
1: so do you know? Did you know who David Carradine was before this movie?
0: I, I, I did like, he looks familiar, but not by name, but I'm sure you're going to tell me a lot more about him right now. Not much. So
1: he's, he's in the Kung Fu movie, Kung Fu TV, movie Kung Fu TV show, which is, I think, I always just assume that's why he was brought in because this is Quentin Tarantino's Kung Fu movie. What's crazy is he first went to Warren Beatty to play Bill And he was going to have Bill be like a more suave James Bond type character. Right. And Warren Beatty passed and said, you should pick David Carradine. And like David Carradine is so fucking perfect as Bill (laughs) that I couldn't imagine a single other person playing it. And obviously the movie is probably adapted more around him as the character, but you know, it, when we talked about part one, I said, Uma is so great at Quentin Tarantino dialogue, but David Carradine is bill. First of all, if I had to deal with someone in real life who talked that way, I'd, I wouldn't be friends with them. Like I would they wouldn't be in my life if I had to hear them tell stories that way, but he's so great in this movie, the way he talks, the way he tells stories, the way he does the dialogue. Like he's perfect.
0: What well, one of the things that I kind of like made sense to me, to me in my head is kill bill the way the viper assassination squad is handled the way bill is their handler you know reminded me a lot pretty heavy handedly about um charlie's angels if you were to look at it like the vipers were the angels uma lucy lou unironically but um, <laughs> Well, Bud, we'll, we'll get into Bud but later. <laughs> well, yeah. Bud is kind of Bosley, but we can talk about Bud later, but definitely Bill as Charlie. Um, and then it's like, okay, Charlie's angels, but everything is fucked. You know what I mean? Uh, right. And that the, the
1: chapel scene too, all in black and white because it matches the beginning uh, when it was in black and white. So obviously this whole thing was shot together uh the dialogue is really great you're kind of getting some you don't really get that bill's pissed at her um but you're getting that you know she was with bill and she sort of just left and now she's marrying this guy um and i love that uh he's bill's like oh i love his hair and she's like you said you would be nice and he goes i promised i would try which is hardly a promise at all right um, but you're right i'll do my best uh And then she introduces him as her father to everyone there.
0: Okay, see, this is what I wanted to get into. What is exactly the relationship between Bill and the rest of the Vipers? Excluding Bud, because we do learn that Bud is his brother. But does he have them as, like, these hot girls that he keeps around that are hired guns and killing people, and he gets, like, a percentage of the profit? Does he sleep with all of them? Is Uma Thurman the only one he slept with? Like, what? And then... Is it more like a father figure or a lover? Because I'm so confused. So I think Daryl Hannah is his sister as well. Really?
1: Because she says, hey, Bill, when Bud calls her and he goes, no, it's your other brother. He may have said it's the other brother, but I thought he said it's your other brother.
0: Oh, I thought he said the other brother.
1: Uh, Either way, I don't think so. When he's talking with Uma, she's like, you know, you always... uh, everyone said the sweet side was your best side or whatever and maybe that's why and he's one of them says like i only showed it to you so he's only this way with her i think she is the only one he has this relationship with i think the others are just hired guns it is interesting that bill is in charge of someone who then basically came to like rule the japanese underworld (laughs) that she started out as just like one of these four people that that answers to bill right um i i do love and i have to point out the samuel l jackson uh cameo in this is great yeah i especially love like as rufus he's like do you guys have a song like i can play love me tender because you know just in his head he's like white people fucking love love me i
0: i also i don't know if this was like if i heard this incorrectly but wasn't the the priest or the reverend or whatever he was like hey rufus because his his name in the movie was rufus it was like, Hey, Rufus, who, who did you used to tour tour with? And he was like, Rufus. Or is that just like, ironically, the guy who he used to tour with also his name is Rufus.
1: I'm not sure there is a fan theory on the internet that Samuel L. Jackson is the same character from Pulp Fiction because at the end he makes some comment about how he just wants to travel the world as a drifter. And Rufus says he's a drifter. Um, I don't buy that because Rufus went out pretty quickly along with everyone else. The shot as Uma walks up the aisle and then the camera is pulled out of the chapel and you just see the deadly Viper squad. Yeah. Um, One is obviously a really cool shot. And then I read like took so long to prepare and take that like by the time they actually finished shooting it, the, uh, I think it was the DP like passed out from exhaustion geez but that worth it because that's an amazing shot like the way it's pulled out uh the way it's all done so that's really cool um and then you next get to bill and michael madsen bud um in the desert talking yeah uh i do love that uh bud's like she cut her way through 88 guys and Bill's like, i don't think it was 88 i think that's just a name
0: yeah that's just a this there, there was not 88 guys uh it just sounded cool to say 88 and i kind of love that cuz again it's just not something that needed to be called out but tarantino did it anyways just just an extra detail in the in the whole works of this movie um i i especially love how bud is just kind of very looking for his I I don't want to say like he's looking for salvation or or uh, um, forgiveness, but the way he says you know she's coming after us and we kind of deserve to be killed is kind of great. And then later on when we're back in that same conversation, he repeats it. He says you know we deserve to be killed, and so does she. And I was like I guess so, yeah. You guys are I pretty also, bad.
1: And this sets up right before the chapter seven starts, but which really I think chapter seven is already already started but then you get the title of it like a little bit in um when he you know bill's like she's coming to kill you and if you don't let me help you she's gonna succeed and we get into it in a second but like bud should have killed uma like he got the jump on her he had her very vulnerable and in, if not for like a little bit of his ineptitude and not like finishing it when he should have like She should have died.
0: I don't know Um, if it was his ineptitude, but it was more like he he just wanted her to suffer. Right. Instead of just kind of
1: making sure
0: things were ended. And I know this is a movie mistake because when you get showered with like rock salt into the chest and then by the end of the movie, she doesn't have a single scar showing on her low cut top like okay so i guess it wasn't i don't understand shotguns then because i thought you got blasted in the chest with a shotgun you fucking died or was it just like snake shots
1: well rock salt rock salt is it's rock salt it's not bullets so it's it's to hurt you it's to not kill you and then i also think that it hit her in the chest but not in it hit like when there when we see the spray of it it's in her chest and he says like you know it hit you in your tits and i've heard that it really hurts and he's like and i don't have any so i wouldn't know but you it would probably really hurt right um and so i think he was purpose purposely not trying to kill her before that though we get to see like bud of the the viper squad has the most pathetic life he's a bouncer in a strip club that like gets no patrons i forgot about that part yeah and I love that he's like explaining to his boss, like, why well, didn't need to be here? Because no one's here. And his boss is like, wait a second. Are you telling me that I don't need to pay you anymore? Like, yeah. are you trying to explain to me? And his boss who runs a strip club has the most uh, well-organized, color-coded uh, worksheet of like who's coming in, like the, the calendar he has. And then uh, one final indignity is that a, r- a random stripper comes up to him and tells him that there's shit water all over the bathroom and he's the one who has to clean it up.
0: Yeah. And it's just like this really like sad life. And, and I think this, the life is like how pathetic he really is, is exemplified when uh, Bill is like, Hey, she, uh she's coming for you and she has a Hanzo sword. And he's like, you have a Hanzo sword. And he's like, no, I, I pawn that off for like 200 bucks. And he's like, he's like, it's priceless. And Bud is like, not here in el paso it's not and so then we get bud gets home after
1: basically being fired and uh you can tell right away he senses that she's there right and you know we talked about how in part one the way she defeats gogo almost makes her seem lucky um this scene just makes her seem like an amateur Maybe
0: overconfident, maybe maybe underappreciating who Bud is. Maybe it's a little bit underappreciating who Bud is, but she does come prepared. Like she's in a mask and she's under his trailer and everything. And we know her competency because of the first film. But maybe this is more like less to show her incompetency and more to show like how good Bud actually is, Um, which is kind of disappointing how we never actually get a final fight between her and Bud because of what happens to him uh, and and not by Uma Thurman's hand. but um, I I think you know everything happens for a reason in this film and the fact that she was buried alive and everything like that leads to I think one of the greatest flashbacks of both through both films.
1: Right. And b- before that though I do, so he buries her alive, yeah. but gives her a flashlight. And one, you know, I talked earlier about how like in, the, in part one that the Achilles cut and the ripping out of the tongue were like really like getting your Achilles cut is like kind of a, not a fear of mine, but it's something that like, if it happened, you know, you like worried about it happening, like really like that would be painful and getting buried alive too, like, is also just, I think it's a fear of most people. But I, part of me thought he wanted her to have a flashlight, so she it would almost be more fearful, like because she can at least she can like see how trapped she is, how claustrophobic it is.
0: Yeah, and I um, like how he gave her the choice between either the flashlight or the mace. Right, and then and then he buries
1: her. He says, "This is for breaking my brother's heart." Um, but it's just like your brother would have also probably just liked her killed. But Bill would have probably been very happy if you had actually just killed her.
0: Yeah, and, and L too, most definitely. Um, I just find it funny how L and, and Bud are on like speed dial with each other. By the way, and I, and I know we're, we're going to get more into it, but maybe you can answer me the question. Why do you think Bud lied to Bill about selling his Hanzo sword?
1: I think it's because he hates Bill. I think they, as he said, Bill's like, I know you hate me. I know we had a falling out. Um, But you know, you have to listen to me. And so I think it was just one final, like, because as you see the sword later on, it says something, you know, it's like a loving message from Bill to Bud. Um, So I think he just wanted to, uh, to hurt him. Uh, By the way, one last Bud story before we get to chapter eight, but Uh, You know how the the club owner makes fun of Bud for wearing that hat and tells him, you know, Bud's like, well, the customers wear hats. He's like, I'm not the customer's boss. I am your boss. Right. So Madsen was actually wearing that hat on set and wanted to wear it in the movie. And Quentin tried to talk him out of it because he hated it. And he, Bud Michael Madsen refused. And so Quinn added that dialogue in there just as like a fuck you to him.
0: It'd be really funny if he just told Larry this and did not tell Michael Madsen this.
1: Right, just like to improv. Yeah, Um, to
0: improv this this fucking hate that hat scene. Um, Okay, so shall we get into chapter eight? Because I feel like chapter eight-
1: The cruel tutelage of Pimei. The cruel tutelage
0: of Pimei. I think it would have to be- my favorite from here on out uh scene from volume two
1: no it, it, he's great it's to me the funniest part of the funniest continuous part definitely the funniest chapter of the two movies is just all of chapter eight the May part
0: do you think having a long white bearded kung fu asian guru is a little too on the nose i
1: mean it's the same with like you said earlier you couldn't see the strings but you could feel the strings he like this is over the top on purpose and also you know we didn't talk about this in the first part but like the first movie part one is is a kung fu movie part two is more of like a western revenge tale the whole thing together is a mis mishmash mishmash Of Kung Fu Western Revenge. Um, but this is like kind of the most like it's obviously the most like Asian inspired part of part two. I think the part that makes it funny to me is mostly just the beard flips that he continually does, like every time he makes a point, he like grabs his beard and throws it. Right. Also, is he a thousand years old? Yes. Uh, which I thought was like kind of funny the the way they said that out that the story where Bill explains who Pai Mei is and about the the massacre at the Shaolin temple is great it's like really great dialogue really great delivery from Carradine it's also like another example of where like really cool in a movie but I would hate you in real life like just get to the point of what you're trying to tell me because the whole point of this is basically like don't be an asshole to Pai May because he'll rip your fucking heart out.
0: Basically what we just get from, from Pai May and, and you know, Bill drops Uma Thurman off to get trained by Pai May and he hates like everything about her. He's notoriously hates Caucasians, Americans and women. And Uma Thurman just so happens to be all three. And um, I I just love kind of like, their growth together but then you kind of finally understand okay this is how she becomes so good at what she does which has to put you into question like why did bill hire her into the assassination squad in the first place if she was like mediocre i mean i guess she was good in her in her own right he just sent her to pie to get better
1: I think compared to Pai Mei, everyone's mediocre, right? Like she's obviously very proficient in a couple of things, but to Pai Mei, that's, that's meaningless, right? Like he's a thousand year old pseudo deity. Um, right. So like to him, there are all ants. I think the fact that he, after they fight is like, I'll take you on, you can be my student. We'll start tomorrow means that, His words are, you're pathetic, but his thoughts are, I can train you. Um, I love one, the placement of this scene in between her getting put in the ground and her escaping the ground. I love that how long it lasts. You know, this could be like a quick flashback to showing her learning the three inch punch, but no, it's like we marinate in it, we stay in it, we get like this whole scene. up until the point of where she's eating rice and she's so hurt that she wants to start eating it just with her hands. And he's like, are you a dog? Because I'll put your food on the ground and you can sleep outside. And basically like, if you give up now because your hands hurt and you can't eat this rice with chopsticks, you're going to give up when it really matters. And then immediately cuts back to her in the box.
0: And I think, you know, obviously this scene was put here to give us backstory on how she learns the three inch punch and using that to get out of out of her you know alive burial but I think it also sets up other things like you say we marinate in this just to get a full spec you know understanding of what of what happens in her her training yes the three inch punch is important but I think there's other plot points that happen later on in the movie that refer to other things back to this that really like really connect it and connect it really well
1: no absolutely you you think you're being put in here to learn how she learned the 3 inch punch how she learned to be like the probably the deadliest of the of the the viper assassin club um I do, I, lo- I love when he does the three-inch punch and just completely obliterates the the wood in front of him. He's like, can you do that? And she's like, I can just not that close. And he's like, then that means you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> did you notice, uh, I just read this, did you notice the boots that she was wearing in the coffin? No. And the blade that she pulls out of the boots, those boots were the ones, the same ones Michael Madsen was wearing in Reservoir Dogs and the straight edge blade that she cuts her ropes with are the ones that he used to cut off the cop's ear
0: yeah it was like a a straight straight razor right right yeah oh that's cool when she gets out of the box she makes her way up um out of the ground she heads to like a diner and presumably she gets kind of like hydrated and cleaned up from there i love when she's walking toward the diner and just the dust just is like periodically flying off of her
1: with no sound whatsoever just the guy in the diner just staring at her as she's doing it yeah it's one of the funny it's like one of the most purposely funny scenes in the movie
0: um i like how that entire thing is happening the (laughs) michael madsen bud is once again pawning off a hanzo sword. it just so happens to be her sword that he stole off of her and he's giving it to l played by daryl hannah who is giving him a million dollars for it this is chapter nine l and i l and i and all right let's let's i guess let's talk about this because then it comes into the fact that Okay, no matter how many times I see this, this is one of those parts that I just don't see this coming. Because you're so used to at this point between volume one and volume two of of Uma Thurman kind of taking her shot and being the one to mark off the guys off uh, her list. But with this Daryl Hannah and Michael Madsen scene, um, what did you think of it? What was your interpretation of it?
1: I think what I got from it, what I the part that you know you say that she didn't kill michael madsen but i what i think is appropriate is that a black mamba killed michael madsen right so the black mambas uh the team of black mambas are five for five on the uh on the death
0: list now my see the thing that bothers me is that why did the california mountain snake choose a black mamba and not a california mountain snake because she explains i mean
1: to me, it's it's kind of you know in Reservoir Dogs the scene where they're arguing over who's Mister Pink and the guy's like I give you the fucking names. To me, it's probably the same thing. Like Bill's like I give you your snake names. She's Black Mamba. You're the California Mountain Snake. She's like, I don't want to be the California Mountain Snake. Um, but also, I, she explains why she chooses the Black Mamba because it's called Death Incarnate, which is also you know she she has like four pages of notes. And what I find funny too is she wrote this out the way she wrote out Quentin Tarantino dialogue, like, <laughs> but like she wrote it out fully sentence by sentence, every word she was gonna say, like in this little notepad. Um, she chose the Black Mamba cause it's the most deadly, it was the most chance, it was the greatest chance of killing him. Um, I thought her reasoning for killing him was a little suspect.
0: Well, I guess that's what I mean. I, I, I Not so much that, yeah, the Black Mamba, Black Mamba is kind of funny because that's, you know, not her snake name but um and everyone seems to want it vivica fox her um also fun fact i know i mentioned in the in the when we were talking about volume one the california mountain snake also not a viper um and i don't know if that holds any any significance but you really did some snake research for this i'm proud of you I, i did thank you um what whether her reasoning was sound or not, what did you think was her reasoning? I mean, my
1: reasoning was that the way Bud poured those margaritas was just so horrible that yeah, he had to die.
0: Right. Uh,
1: so she says that she's upset that the greatest warrior she's ever met was killed by a piece of shit like you. I just was like, she wants that sword, and she also wants to keep her million dollars. So yeah. and Bud is a piece of shit and I'm team Bill and Bud doesn't listen to Bill and Bud broke away from us so fuck that guy, I want his sword
0: so I have a little bit of a different theory not too far off um, but I, I think you're right when you said that Bill probably treats Uma Thurman's character differently from all the other Viper Squad assassination snakes um, and I I think that L might have a bit of a uh, crush on Bill and because of everything that's been happening, you know she was the one I I take it that l was like his last um member to leave him or if she ever left him in the first place I I don't know she might technically still feel like she owes him or she's with him but you know they they went on to kill, or think they killed Uma Thurman, everyone else defected after that. Elle might just be thinking she's tying uh she's tying up a loose end for for Bill in the name of Bill by killing Bud.
1: Well, right, but you can tell from the phone call afterwards that she doesn't want that Bill didn't want her to kill Bud because right. she lies about it.
0: Right. Um But I think so- it was more of like a You're not gonna admit that this is what you want, but I know you so well that I'm gonna give it to you anyways, you know.
1: Yeah, possibly. I I do think also it's important to note like this is where we finally hear her name. The Beatrix Kiddo. This is where we finally learn Uma Thurman's real name, which I also thought was funny because the girl, like, they go back and show Uma Thurman as like a little kid, but it's just Uma Thurman sitting in a desk. Yeah. But the girl before her was like mary whorehouse but it was spelled like hair house or something oh, i didn't even see um, that and then it's also it's one of those like cute touches um, that i was fine with but you know bill throughout just calls her kiddo and you don't make the connection of what he was saying until you realize like okay that was her last name um but it's i do like that he doesn't oversell that point right because wait, most
0: wait, wait can i admit something what I didn't catch the kiddo part until you just mentioned it just now.
1: And I think, <laughs> I think that's great because most people who do something like a lot of directors who do something like this cute would like feel the need to have a flashback in of bill calling her kiddo a couple of times. Right. To let right. you know, like, look at how smart I am. And Quentin is like, you caught it or you didn't catch it. Whatever. This is why it was in there, which I think is, is a nice touch.
0: I have to say that the fight between Daryl Hannah and Uma Thurman is one of my favorite ones. Um, I mean, I can't, I, and I I mean, between the two movies, I think it beats the Vivica Fox fight. I think it beats the um, well no, it doesn't beat the, the crazy 88 fight, but um, and she doesn't even fight with bud, but Comparing it to the Vivica A. Fox fight, I really like this fight scene.
1: Well, it's also when they're standing there both with their samurai swords because Uma has found Bud's missing samurai sword that's also Hanzo. Uh, The same musical note that starts the movie is played, which I think is really good. I also just love the, um, it's Quincy Jones, the Ironside theme that plays every time she sees like the, one of the members that she's about to kill. It's like the, I can't, mimic it very well But
0: i mean you can't mimic it because it's basically like a siren going right. off um i like the ones where it's like not only does it like close up on her face but it the whole screen glows red
1: and so a couple things about this scene one uma thurman and daryl hannah hated each other on set really and like to the point where they wouldn't uh, like for celebratory things after the movie came out couldn't be near each other
0: what's funny is Taylor was passing behind me as I was watching this scene and she like paused for a second. And as she walked away, she goes, why is she fighting herself? (laughs) And I was like, these are two different actors, babe.
1: Uh, Two. So I told in, in part one, I had only ever seen the Daryl Hannah nurse scene. And then the scene where she bites the dude's tongue off and kills the male nurse. I had only ever from part two seen the Daryl Hannah fight scene, which is really weird that I have basically seen the entire L driver saga of these movies. Um, I said that like Achilles things, injuries really bother me and um, buried alive really bothers me. Eyeballs pulled
0: out really fucking bothers me. So the thing with her eye, I love how, we get the little bit of a backstory that she was also being trained by Pai And he just ripped her fucking eye out. And yeah. And he, they just could not get along. He ripped her eye out. And I guess she quit being his pupil from there. <laughs> pupil get it right. um, from there. But the, the thing that I love too, and, and this is what I meant by like little bits of, uh, this is what I meant by like little bits of backstory being sprinkled throughout and then, being relevant later is with paime uh pulling her eye out and then uma thurman pulling l driver's other eye out you know she learned that from from paime right well when
1: you also see it in the in the first movie she pulls out one of the crazy 88's eyes
0: that's right um, yeah
1: and then you see that she killed paime uh, l driver killed paime by poisoning his fish heads You've killed a dude that's, like, over a thousand years old. Um, and you can tell. So the only way we get that Uma actually likes Mei and, like, that they had a great relationship in the end is how pissed she gets at Elle. And I love that uh, Elle's like, I'm killing you with your sword, which in the future will be my sword. She's like, bitch, you don't have a future.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so great. And then they, they do this, like, rah, clash thing. And then in like a matter of seconds, it's over with the eye pull. So
1: in the original script, she was actually just supposed to kill her. And then there's supposed to be this moment where Daryl, Hannah, L. Driver, like hugs Uma Thurman's leg and is like, you know, maybe we could have been friends. Dah, 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 dah. Um, I like this ending more. It, you know, there's a question. Um, so in the original credits for this movie, which are not on the version you and I watched. Right. Uh, they, as... Uh, Uma Thurman is driving in white and black they list her name David Carradine, Vivica A. Fox Lucy Liu, Michael Madsen and for Lucy Liu, Vivica A. Fox and Michael Madsen there's a line that crosses out their names as they're listed and then for Daryl Hannah, there's a question mark that pops over it Oh. and so there's actually even been some talk that if they ever did Kill Bill 3 that she might appear in it Um, That'd be kind of cool Watching this like she's going to die how does she get out of this because she's one newly blind so she has no experience with being a blind person right she is out in the middle of nowhere no one knows she's there right except for bill who spoiler
0: alert is about to die soon yeah um she then uh also you forget the fact that she released a black mamba in the same trailer that she's blind in
1: Right, and she's got to, what, find the phone and then call somebody to help her. In the middle somebody of nowhere. With dead bodies and deadly snakes. There's no fucking way she's making it out of that. <laughs> also, too, the way she flails around in the bathroom yeah, and it's just, like, screaming, like, you bitch, da 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 So that take, Daryl Hannah just did that to fuck with Quentin Tarantino as a joke to just make it as over the top as she could. And he loved it, and that's the, that's the take he put in. And she actually hurt herself doing it, <laughs>
0: flipping everywhere. Oh man! You know, uh, I don't know why I I didn't think L Driver was played by Daryl Hannah. I thought that was Sharon Stone. I really did for the longest time.
1: I mean, yeah, it could have Sharon Stone would have been great in the too. So, I I also don't understand why Uma didn't take the money. I guess maybe she just didn't know it was there. Um, I mean, she had
0: have- bigger fish to fry, honestly. I mean, it's a million dollars, though. I mean, you're a right. A million dollars. It's right. You're right. Uh, but you know, she's very focused on her on her goal. Um, and then I think you you have to remind me. How does she catch? Oh, yes. She visits this like South American guy.
1: Uh, yeah. I think he's Mexican. Esteban. What's really interesting is, do you know who played Esteban? I do not, but I'm sure you're gonna tell me. Michael Parks, who played the sheriff in part one. Really? It's the the same guy. Is it meant to be the same guy? So, originally, Ricardo Montalban, who I don't know if you know who that is, but I I know who that is. No. Was supposed to play Esteban. And he couldn't make a table read for the part. So, Michael Parks just did the table read. And Quentin Tarantino was like, you're so impressed by him, he fired Ricardo. Wow. Which is like, hey... Dumbest table reads i guess um i guess not um, esteban, the esteban scene is probably my least favorite in all four hours and 15 minutes of this saga it's just kind of boring well it just doesn't it doesn't i don't think it's necessary i guess you get a little bit uh i mean all you get from it is bill has loved blonde since he was a little kid um bill would want you to know where he is because I guess he would either want you to get your revenge or he'd want to apologize. I don't know. Um, so I guess you're trying to get that information out of there. Uh, interestingly enough. So that was shot in a real whorehouse. Those are real prostitutes. Um, oh. Except for the girl who I guess Esteban cut her face. Right. Cause when he was like, Oh, Bill shot you in the head, I would have just cut your face um but Esteban's also just fucking creepy and
0: uh yeah I didn't that's the one part where I'm just like I don't
1: need it yeah
0: I I I didn't think it was like I mean the only okay so first of all can you do you find any more meaning in cutting your face and that whole like that's his insignia like is there anything to look into that or is that just a a detail
1: I think it's just a like I would have just left my mark on you and then you get to see one of the prostitutes that he did that to
0: I guess um, the the thing if she had killed Esteban.
1: That would have been cool.
0: Yes. However, the cool thing that did come out of that scene, that I think is the coolest scene or thing, is that when he comments on the car that she drove to get up there, and she looks at him dead in the eye and goes, "Yeah, well, my pussy wagon broke down on me." I was like. Okay, that's a good reference back to like the the infamous car, you know. It also
1: it also just makes you believe that like everyone knows what's going on, like Bill knew what was going on and somehow Esteban is following the saga too. Well, she had to choose the most like
0: conspicuous car. Inconspicuous? Did... No, conspicuous. Um like that was ever made. And I mean to to get you become notorious just for that. And then that leads to chapter 10,
1: the face-to-face with Bill, which I guess it already started with the Esteban stuff, but we'll move past it. Um, when you first saw this, was it, I guess you know that the daughter's going to be there, but it was still kind of, I guess the way they did it was a little bit shocking that like Bill is just a dad, just like raising this little girl.
0: Yeah. No, the, no, 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 but I didn't know when. I didn't know she was going to go through the door and, like, boom, she's there, you know?
1: And you're dead, Mommy, so die. And then Uma does, like, the, the... That that whole part is great because it's just, like, similar to the Vivica A. Fox scene. Once there's a kid involved, it's, like, everyone knows everything's paused. Like, we'll kill each other later, but we're, we're professionals. And then also, this is our daughter in this scenario. So, like, clearly, we're going to take a, a pause.
0: Yeah. And much in the same way that her, like, you know, she, she was, she wakes up from the coma and her heart is beating really, really fast. Um, she, she slows it down so that the EKG level, you know, is the same and she, you know, plays possum. Like I said, she kind of does this with this with her daughter. She's like, all right, I'm a, I'm a fun mom pretending to be shot by a Nerf gun now, you know?
1: Right. And then that leads to uh you know, Bill makes them sandwiches and um, he's also licking his finger each time. he like,
0: yeah, and he's cutting off way too much of the crust. That's, yeah, it's wasteful. Um,
1: But I mean, maybe that's the way his his BB likes it. Uh, I do like, you know, the fish story explaining like, oh, she figured out, you know, once you squash that fish, like you can't take it back. And then he just tells her like, hey, I shot your mom in the head um, and I was mad about it uh and i regretted it immediately and uh, you know uh and then it's just like i love i love that quentin's got to get in like oh what does this little girl want to watch to go to bed shogun assassin yeah which obviously looks like a pretty badass movie I, um and i think that's kind of the point of why he does this is he just wants to bring to the forefront things he loves and like maybe other people will then learn to love it but that, that i looked it up afterwards i was like
0: that does look like a cool fucking movie <laughs> um i like when they uh when they have that talk you know once once the little girl goes to bed and they have that talk and she makes a run for the sword and he just like shoots the fruit like with such accuracy to make sure the bullet doesn't just like go through the fruit and kill her it just like kind of explodes well, and first she's he like shoots the tv Oh, does, she, does he shoot the TV? He I guess shoots I... the
1: TV and she bl- follows back and he's like, hey, watch it.
0: And then shoots the fruit so it explodes on her. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's just kind of like, oh, Bill, as she like wipes off the fruit from her like face. She's like annoyed, but also kind of like, shit, you got me sort of thing, you know?
1: It's almost if you didn't know any better and didn't know this movie has to end with her killing Bill, that she was like going to forgive him and like they were gonna like get past it and like raise a family together, like the way she acts around him.
0: Yeah, no, he's dead. He's totally dead. No, but you're right. I mean, there's this, and then maybe you want to explain to me why there was a need to add a uh, a truth serum into the mix.
1: He just, apparently, he's a scientist, and he just has access to not just a truth serum, but his own truth serum that is way more powerful and accurate than your everyday truth serum. Um, I don't think it was necessary, but it was, it was kind of, it was kind of funny in him just shooting her with a dart. And then she's about to pull it out. And he's like, I'll hit you in your fucking cheek. If you touch that dart, (laughs) like leave it in. Um, what did you think of his, uh, Clark Kent, Superman, Spider-Man analogy?
0: I, I loved it. I remember loving it the first time I, I saw this movie and I heard him say it, I completely and utterly agree that Peter Parker, you know, that, that Spider-Man is Peter Parker's alias, but Clark Kent is Superman and not the other way around. I've always, I've always thought that I've always agreed with that.
1: I mean, yeah, obviously I brought it up because I thought it was great too. Um, And it does make sense. Um, How do you you think that compared with him, though, exactly? No, I think it compared with her. He was saying that, you know, she was like, what, am I a superhero? He's like, no, but you're an assassin. You're not a mommy. You're not a regular person that puts on the costume of an assassin. You're just an assassin who is trying to put on the costume of a regular person.
0: And I also think that analogy is good for another reason, is the fact that we don't know her name for like the longest time between these two films. And, you know, I think she's most famously credited as the bride, but then she also has the alias of black Mamba. She also has the alias of what was that name when she was first, her fake name when she was getting married. Oh, Arlene Machiavelli. Arlene Machiavelli. And then she was even, buried in a different gravestone with someone else's name you know she she lives with all these identities that i think that superman metaphor is like not really even saying you know this is who you are not these people but really kind of like an existential crisis like who who are you really you know
1: right and also another call back to one of his other movies he uh He says, you know, if you if you move again, I'll shoot you in the kneecap, which I heard is the most painful place to be shot. Right. And in Reservoir Dogs, he says, oh, he got shot in the duck in the gut. That's the most painful place except the kneecap.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I even think we can go even a step further in in Pulp Fiction. Doesn't uh, the guy who took uh, Bruce Willis and Marcella Wallace down to the like his sex dungeon basement also get shot in the kneecap? Uh, I think so. Yeah, like a lot of people in Tarantino movies get shot in the kneecap.
1: But I just mean continuing the line of like you uh, saying that the kneecap is the worst place in the world to get shot is kind of funny.
0: You know how you were saying like the conversation between Uma Thurman and, and Vivica Fox was like your favorite part of that scene in the kitchen? Right. How they plan out this entire like fight at The you know full moon at the baseball diamond. Uh huh. It it kind of bookends the movie that way again between the conversation that her and Bill have.
1: Right, but I do want to say before that really quickly the Lisa Wong flashback. Um, I love only for just the comedic moment of her telling her please look at the please look at the pregnancy test and she's like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this means and she's (laughs) like, well the box is right there read the box and she starts reading it like really slowly and she's like blue means i'm pregnant she's like i can fucking read it myself like and then she just slowly gets up and like congratulations
0: yeah i oh my god i forgot about that but yeah it's uh it's i guess what's that there for just to give reasoning that like that's why she defected because she found out she was pregnant yeah i mean she could have told you that story
1: but instead he drops in this two minute scene of another kind of cool fight and a very comedic moment that I think is just like, this is, it's also, that's that flashback gets them outside for the final battle, which, you know, you don't have to have some weird them walking out there. It's like the flashback starts with them on the couch. And then when the flashback ends, they're already outside, which is like, it's a smart decision.
0: Also back to the Lisa Wong uh, flashback real quick is the, um, The only reason she's alive is because she dropped the pregnancy test and she bent down to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Like Uh, the baby saved her. Yeah, exactly. So I I also kind of like that. Uh, And like, you know, the baby, uh, you know, your, your offspring, your child is kind of like your redemption at least it it is to her um, in many ways. It's how she kind of survived up till now maybe you could even say the fact that she was pregnant is the reason she survived the uh the initial you know wound in the chapel but it's also her like chance at redemption after this is all over
1: right and then so what did you think of the final fight scene
0: i thought the sword play was great the playing with the hanzo swords and the the kind of like positioning it so it goes back into the opposite sheath and then taking it out of his hand like i thought that was all great now remember when i said that i think the final boss fights for some of these are a little too quick uh-huh you have almost 5 hours of built up tension between the bride and bill and when it does come down to it i guess you could look at it like everything she went to went went through to get to him could count as like a battle of his own doing you know because he's trained all of these like assassins and and stuff but when she five finger a exploded him um I've... the reason i didn't mind how quick it was is because first of all how else are you going to end it i mean just another long-winded sword battle maybe but then the other thing is that the line that when bill looks up at her and goes uh may taught you the five finger heart explode and she just kind of like cocks her head and laughs and she's like of course he did. I was like, "All right, that's awesome. That's great."
1: Right, which is another example of showing you like her relationship with you know how close he is. So originally, you know, Bill describes this fight under the moonlight. Uh, right. So that was the original ending, and the studio was like, "This is taking way too fucking long. You need to end it quicker. We can't afford that scene." And so this is then what happened, which is also very similar to the fact that there was this Vivica A. Fox fight scene in the moonlight on the baseball diamond that didn't happen either. I, I love how Bill does describe like, oh, we can fight in the moonlight or you know, if we want to be old school and you know how I love to be old school, we could uh, do it at sunrise. Um, and you get all this big buildup. And then I, I actually, I, I love the way it, it, the quick ending because it is like, one, that David Carradine looks like he's maybe close to 70 years old. <laughs> i think he's in the 60s when they filmed this um and he actually he passed away in 2009 so Uh like um i don't know how well you could have choreographed a like very epic battle with him but i always love movies where you set up this huge like ending uh and this like huge like brawl and these two people and then it's just like the the badass protagonist just like ends it like very quickly and like you know there's obviously other action that you can that you can enjoy in this movie so i i was i was fine with it it did make me question though like if he just stays in that seat would he live until he took five steps could he get like a could he get a motorized scooter ordered and just like take one step to get in it and then just like live on that like
0: i think uh i think you might be right um but i also don't think that's the point of the movie um the <laughs> The the okay so why is there a reason that uh Quentin made Bill so much older? Because you were saying Warren Beatty was was up for the role and he's about the same age. I mean he's eighty three now, so he would be like in his seventies during the filming of this. Um, is there a reason? Late late
1: sixties. I I think it was just who he had as an idea for the role. Um. I'm not exactly sure what his, what his thought process was on that. But I also, like I said, I think David Carradine's perfect for the role. I think he's perfect at the dialogue. Yeah. And so the fact that he's a little older, you know, it's like, it's whatever. Cause I don't know. I can't imagine anyone else handling that. Um, obviously other people could have, but the way he delivers those, those lines and I think the ending just, it just works for it. Um, and so I, I was fine with that
0: aspect well, of it. It's interesting too with, uh, with David Carradine because purposefully you don't see who plays Bill through the entire first film. And then you see who it is like the first few seconds of the second or the first few minutes of the second film. He's introduced. Um, and you're thinking, oh, it's this like big old buildup but I don't know what would you think about like us not knowing what Bill looked like at all until the very very last scene um could that still
1: I so I just don't think if you lose out on the wedding chapel scene though and and one thing I will say about the wedding chapel scene really quickly too is I love that they don't really show the massacre because it's like You know, throughout the movie, they show different points where, like, she's getting hit by one of the viper assassins, like in the wedding dress. And so, there's no real need to show that entire scene. But, like, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is Bill at the wedding chapel before the massacre happens, and like those talks. So, I think you, I think you have to show him. um, And I don't really think that it's necessary to have like a reveal at the very end. And I also think. Maybe if you have a reveal at the very end, then you're like, "Oh, the age is also like, is now like a little more apparent." Like you couldn't show this guy throughout. Um, and not to change the subject too abruptly, but how does one practice the five point palm exploding heart touch? Do, do uh, you think she was animals? almost? Do you think she was almost surprised that it worked? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, he, take, he takes the. I counted the steps,
0: and on that fifth step, he drops. So she's just like, "Oh
1: shit, I did
0: it." Oh, you think she was surprised at herself, like on the fifth step. I thought he was, she was surprised on herself when she initially did it and he like spit up a little bit of blood. Cause that's when she must've been like, Oh, cool. It worked. Um, I mean, it's a process. He says if you hit these special five points on the human body, uh, or these special, I don't know if it's five, but these special pressure points on the human body will make their heart explode. And when they take five steps, um, I mean, how, how does people practice surgery, right? Like on animals, cadavers, cadavers. I,
1: just, I think, I guess Pai would just have to tell her, um,
0: these are the five things you hit, and there you go. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: I also do like how they don't show exactly where she's hitting. <laughs> like almost like we don't want you people like, not that this is a real thing, but we we don't even want to take a chance <laughs> of like someone accidentally killing someone this way and that would <laughs> <Right>. just...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I you you also did say like in her face, she was almost kind of surprised when he started spitting up blood. I do think in the end, um she is like she has to follow through with killing him because of what he did. Oh yeah. But she, and I think a little bit, maybe you don't agree, but I kind of understand where Bill was coming from and why he did what he did. He even explains, he's like, you know, she's like, I didn't expect you were going to come after me. He's like, well, listen, I'm an asshole assassin murderer. You had to have known what I was going to do. And I mean, he, she left him, pretended he was, pretended she let him think that she was dead, which he said is like the most horrible thing you can do to a person because he loved her. They were obviously like in some sort of a relationship and then she stole his child. So he comes to the wedding chapel and sees like, Oh, you're, you're pregnant. So either one, you've moved on quickly or that's my baby.
0: Right. I mean, just for the fact that that's his baby and you have to connect the timeline here, assuming that when she was shot, the baby was safe enough to come out of her he she couldn't have been missing for more than nine months you know um and getting to the point of of i mean that still puts me in question If after this everyone else defected do they tie up loose ends like did they just not like how she left it or because of his personal connection to him is that why he took such a vindictive effort into finding her and and killing her
1: well, you get a little bit from Bud that he's like, she des- we deserve to die, uh, she deserves her revenge. And then Vivica A. Fox is like, I know you don't believe me, but I-, I regret what I did to you. I wish I could change it, but I can't. I've changed my life since then. It almost seems like this moment caused them to split because they had killed one of their own
0: just because she wanted out of the life. It's interesting to think like on a change of perspective of what if Bill was the main character and he was like living in this fear that like he has all these like prodigies out in the world and they're just dropping like flies. And this girl that he thought he ended because she stole his baby girl, um, she's coming after him. Like if you kind of change the perspective on that, you could almost make it out like, holy crap, this vindictive bitch is after me.
1: Right, but he tried to kill her, so it's kind of... Okay, fine. Yeah, fair.
0: Well, looks like this is all the time we have here today, talking about Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2. I'm (laughs) Alon.
1: And this is David. And I finally watched Kill Bill Volume 2.